0: Welcome to the Sigmund Cinema Podcast, where all things movie-related are broken down, discussed, put back together, and discussed some more. Here's your host, Sigmund. And welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. And for today's topic, I have a special guest, and I will let him give a short introduction for himself and take it away, Ryan.
1: All right. Well, uh, thank you, Eric. Uh, my name's Ryan. i've Been watching films for ever, and got into films because of the topic of our podcast today. Uh, just really been watching and getting into it since junior high high school and with the uh, advent of the internet learned more on filmmaking and fell in love with it did some films in college and continued to watch movies and review them and learn as much as I can
0: Excellent, excellent. And of course, the topic for today is the Halloween franchise, the Michael Myers um, movies, for those of you who aren't familiar. So, um, just wanted to ask you, you know, what do you think about the franchise in general? What do you think it's done for cinema in general?
1: Uh, and <clears throat> for cinema, I think it, it really showed everyone what independent filmmaking or guerrilla filmmaking uh, could actually pull off. Uh, back then, it was a budget of $300,000 uh, in 1978. Yep. yep. Which is $1.1 1. 1 nowadays, and people would laugh at that. You know, they'd be like, oh, that movie was made for $1 million. Um, and it turned around and made $47 million back in 1978 which I think it's 180 million in today in this year's standards, uh, which for rated R movies is actually a good feat. Um, with independent filmmaking, it was one of the first movies to do uh, use a steady cam, which is the apparatus where not, nothing's shaking and the cameraman can hold it and you get these smooth, shots that can uh, walk with the actor rather than on track and dollies, um, go upstairs without losing the audience, being too shaky. And that one shot at the beginning of the film technically is one shot. There's a little splice, but most audience members can't, won't recognize it. But that was one of the first full four minute shots in history for film. And that really showed people what you can do as a filmmaker, that you are not restricted to oh well film cut, film, cut, film, cut.
0: And actually, and, um I'm sorry to oh, cut you off Brian, but since you bring it up, um one of the or the next movie I believe to actually use a steady cam was another horror movie in Phantasm. And just a little a little trivia for everybody. So yeah, yeah, the horror movie got a jump on um the steady cam technology.
1: Oh, see, I didn't know that either. That's crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um yeah, but um definitely Halloween, you speak of independent guerrilla filmmaking and, and this movie for um the price that it was made, three hundred and twenty five thousand dollars, is like you said, uh, inflation one million dollars, you said. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. And um John Carpenter, um, like any great filmmaker, he used every every penny is on the screen. <laughs> and and one thing he did that was very important, um, that a lot of independent filmmakers should focus on is post production. He set aside a certain amount of money for post production. He wanted to color time the movie exactly the way he wanted and audio is very important and and definitely he had his eye on that but yeah I would definitely um now you you would speak of technical achievements the movie made that are still used to this day um so Halloween isn't the first slasher movie, technically, you could go back to Black Christmas, and there's probably one or two before that, but... Chainsaw. Oh, there you go. But Halloween definitely starts to popularize a lot of the horror tropes. You know, the I'll be right back, and teenagers having sex, and basically Randy's list from the Scream movies. And what do you think about um, about these? um And what do you think about... Oh, yeah, just in general, what do you think about them? How Halloween popularized those tropes before they got ran into the ground?
1: Um, I think it really, again, it showed, it opened up everybody's fears, really, because it could reach uh, innocent people, teenagers, um, adults. I mean, even a dog in the first film. (laughs) uh, That uh, there's a line that always I feel sums up what John Carpenter did is is everyone's entitled to one good scare and that right there means everybody's nobody's off limits everybody's fair game and by doing the teen slashers it hits the the age group of growing up and becoming an adult and going into life and here you are being hunted down by a serial killer that um either you have as a child, something to look forward to. You're, you're scared because, Oh my God, you know, they can be me. Um, teenagers in the present and even adults, you know, they're scared for their kids because they're seeing kids getting hunted down. And I think that right there, because there was some, like you said, um, before 1978, um, that it just made people really love being scared and the realism of it could be anybody. Mm -hmm. So I think that helped, um, the psychology of horror films. Um, it wasn't too, it wasn't always demons or, you know, Satan or something aliens. It was something right then and there and
0: that you could come across. And definitely, um, I'm surprised you didn't um, say the word specifically, but mentioned plenty of times in the first Halloween movie, um, uh, Boogeyman. Oh. So,
1: yeah, I mean, before that movie was, I mean, I'm not too keen on history of the quote-unquote term Boogeyman. Um, Don't know if it was like a real uh, urban legend or some mythology um, behind the Boogeyman, but it was just a term. I guess yeah
0: but like you were saying um, the movie um boogeyman doesn't have to be anything of course in the movie is represented as michael myers but you talk about playing on our fears and you know doing the things you're not supposed to do and then the boogeyman coming to get you and i think that was um pretty neat what carpenter did as far as that goes but um, yeah i
1: totally agree and we'll get to that here soon, but how he really delivered that idea through the character. Oh, yeah. A.K.A. the mask.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it was just, um... and of course, everybody, speaking of the mask, everybody should know by now that the famous Michael Myers mask is actually a William Shatner mask painted white with the eye holes widened out and um, think of a few other cosmetic things they did to the mask but it's super duper iconic in film not just horror just film which is interesting I'm pretty sure everybody I'm sure you've owned a Michael Myers mask before right oh yeah <laughs> yeah and I've definitely had probably three or four in my lifetime but um Halloween, Um, it was 1978 if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah, 1978. So John Carpenter never intended for there to be a sequel. He wanted the ending to be he wanted to end with the first movie and he wanted it to be ambiguous. But of course greed happens and movie studios want to make more money and at that time the sequel was kind of a new thing it wasn't it wasn't common at least if it for lack of a better term it wasn't a common thing and Universal um, bought the rights to the movie and they wanted to make a sequel which would be Halloween 2 and so just diving right into Halloween 2 or as most people know it the hospital one Uh, what's your take on this movie
1: uh, I think it was they was really good I mean obviously it's not the original um, and they tried to up the kill count and the type of kills um, in it just to top the last one and that's a traditional studio just always trying to make more money or thinking that that makes it better film um, and this film actually introduced the Franchise-heavy fact that Michael Myers was uh, Lori Strode's brother.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that, I think, wasn't a too bad idea. It probably shocked the audience um, a little bit more back then. That wasn't like a common thing for the serial killer to be related um, to the victim and that kind of probably scared some people in a in a general sense of oh it could be my family member um even though the first film kind of makes it paints them to be could be anybody um now dude I don't like the idea in particular because it takes away the point of the first film yeah um, it actually gives a reason a little bit um slightly Say like probably like 10 20 percent that he's just going after his family,
0: mm. so that gives a
1: reason behind the the madness, which kind of takes away the fear. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's true, and um, and also um, how that idea came about the um the siblings idea was actually not John Carpenter's idea or Deborah Hill's idea; it was a studio exact. He felt. There needed to be something more of a punch. So yeah, that idea was actually born from a studio exec. And which makes sense. <laughs> right. And speaking of John Carpenter, um, like I said, with the original Halloween, he they being producer, writer, Deborah Hill, and Carpenter and writer, director, and the composer of the first movie. Um So basically John Carpenter um, a producer friend of his brought him in. He told him, "Look, it's gonna get it's gonna get made with or without you. You might as well come in and get a nice paycheck." And um, this is gonna not gonna be the first time that he's gonna be told that. <laughs> <laughs> and, but we're gonna get to that. No, I'm getting too far ahead. So basically, um, Carpenter wrote the story and. He actually had um, a little bit of writer's block, and but he got past it and came up with the hospital setting, because originally it was actually supposed to be an apartment high-rise, which Laurie Strode lived in, and it was going to bring Michael Myers to the city. But um, the budget, of course, restricted that, and so they kept it, kept it small, and then they came up the idea of having it on the same night and which is actually one of the more cooler aspects of the movie it literally starts from the end of the first one and um what are your thoughts on that
1: I think that's really cool because most audience goers they, there's a gap in between sequels and what happens to the characters and that makes it this one long journey like you, you just you just just like the character you can't get rest she can't get rest um, yeah it's just it's just
0: not Excellent. Now with um, and there was a three-year gap between the two movies. Um, yes. Halloween two was eighty-one, so with that, uh, Michael Myers or the shape, um, the actors changed between the two movies. The first movie was of course um, Nick Castle.
1: So mainly.
0: Man, right. <laughs> That's a Dick Castle played Michael Myers for the most part, and and Halloween two, Dick Warlock, who actually will be on record as the shortest Michael Myers at five foot nine, he would play uh, Michael Myers, and for a long time there was a debate. A lot of people, when the series went on, a lot of people didn't like the look of the new mask for Halloween 2 but the thing is it was the original mask from the first movie but Dick Warlock's face he had a more rounder and fuller face so his face literally stretched out the mask and you compare the two if you look at a picture a poster from uh, Michael Myers in the second movie you see there's a much tighter fit with the mask and yeah so it was the same mask it was three years worn also so of course it's gonna look different but and that was the last time that that mask um, was ever seen in peak condition as far as um my notes tell me but um and even with part one which never intended to have a sequel the way part two ended part two also was never meant to have a sequel and what do you think about the um ending of Halloween 2 which you know no spoilers I'm pretty sure if you're listening you've seen the movie Michael Myers gets both of his eyes shot out by sharpshooter Larry Schrode and um, he gets blown up basically yeah
1: um...
0: and... yeah so what are your, what are your thoughts on ending it or at least them trying to end it right there
1: I think it was still a good idea, because it it wasn't as as ambiguous as the first one, but as the audience saw in the first one, and then he disappears, um, that they could come up with a, oh yeah, he's dead, a definitive end, or they could say, no, he still survived that. Um, And that kind of left it to the audience in a way where he could still end it as a franchise. Um, with his hands tied to it and move on, uh, just like the character Laurie Um, you know, Nightmare was over, yep, and the audience it could still create that fear for the audience. Well, he survived all this other stuff, why wouldn't he survive this? He's still out there and still create that fear for the general moviegoer.
0: Hmm, that's um, no, well said, definitely, and um. So with that, um, like I said, they didn't intend, you know, they wanted the nightmare to be over. And so Carpenter had an idea to end the storyline of Michael Myers, but turn the Halloween franchise into an anthology like a movie version of Twilight Zone. Each subsequent movie will be about something different. And that brings us brings us to Halloween three season of the witch. Now, we're gonna, somewhere down the line, dedicate an entire episode to this movie, but... <laughs> uh, so we're gonna streamline past this movie, basically... for um, what it was, it... Well, basically, the movie, short story, the movie flopped and bombed because people thought Michael Myers was coming back. They didn't think it was gonna be what it was, and... And if you change if you drop the Halloween three and just call it Season of the Witch, I think people are praising the movie. Well people are retroactively giving the movie its due. But um back then the movie was ripped to shreds. And I think unfairly so, but and so any quick words on that one? We're gonna just skip over that, but
1: no, all I gotta say is I gotta give uh, John Carpenter uh, props for the one of the most annoying get stuck in your head songs uh, associated. Oh, uh, yeah. But other than that, yeah, we can move on.
0: <laughs> and so with that, Halloween 3, because it was um, not as successful as they as they wanted, um, the producers and what the producers wanted to bring Michael Myers back Which brings us to Halloween 4 1988 Movie the return of Michael Myers um, the appropriate Subtitle and This One um, If you look at the Opening sequence for this one I think it has one of the best As far as setting the mood One of the best opening sequences Out of any Halloween Movie It's um basically describing it as showing farmland. It gives you the feeling of Halloween season. It it gives you the feeling that it's fall, and it's a very well shot opening sequence, and it sets the mood. Um, I think quite well actually. And uh, what's your take on? And when's the last time you seen the movie? Ooh.
1: Last time I seen it, I would have to say, I'd probably have to say eight years. Oh. Um, but I used, that was one four through six. I went through a lot of my childhood watching those repeatedly. <laughs> I've seen that. that was like my era of Halloween uh, that I got tied to for a short time and of course VHS oh, report, yeah. HBO and all that I was able to watch them over and over and over
0: now Halloween 4 Um, in my opinion Halloween 4 would be one of the better Michael Myers Halloween movies for a very long time because then we get into the Other two subsequent movies, which we will But I think um, One of the bigger complaints About Halloween 4 is The mask That it's a little too plain (laughs) Although Although it is a Michael Myers mask It's just a little A little too um, It's hard to describe If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about It's one of the Well, up to that point Because, you know, people were used to... But I don't think it's the worst. But, um... So, with Michael Myers, speaking of which... um, The actor who plays Michael Myers changes again. And, um, it's George P. Wilbur this time... Who would actually be one of the few actors to reprise his role as Michael... Not in the fifth movie, but the sixth movie. Which is weird, so he skips a movie. But, um, I think he does... A pretty decent job in the movie he's um a little bit robotic um it's obvious he's wearing um hockey pads or shoulder enhancements in a lot of scenes but uh, what do you think about um george p wilbur's michael myers and halloween four
1: i would have to agree with you it's very robotic like that uh side of the bed raise and look was <laughs> no, it was, it was, yeah, I would have to agree. It didn't give a fear of just Michael doing what Michael did in the Halloween one and two. It just, it was just there, shall I say.
0: Yeah. And, um, actually, this movie, eh, of course, um, it's the late 80s and, there's dozens and dozens of slasher movies around and it's not the easiest thing to um although I think Halloween 4 does an okay job with keeping the, trying to replicate the tone of the, the first movie and but then again the as you said with Halloween 2 um, Halloween 4 um, ups the body count actually the studio said the movie didn't have enough violence in it and they reshot a lot of scenes in it um more um famously the thumb through the forehead scene in the ambulance in the beginning of the movie was a <laughs> was a was a reshoot
1: ah yeah, that explains it cuz that yeah to me though that kill actually it probably for me it's one of the better uh michael myers kills because it shows for me
0: the pure strength there we go yeah that's and um and actually something we haven't talked about um, the talking about strength, <laughs> and the strength of the series, um, Donald Pleasance, and of course um, now going back to the original Halloween, which wasn't just a, a slasher fest. There's a lot of um, good scenes in the movie with Donald Plessons. Um for example, and. Also, Carpenter's good, great writing, Carpenter and Deborah Hill's good writing, it's the, um, he was purely and simply evil speech that he was giving to the sheriff. Yes. And um, great acting and great writing.
1: Which, did you know that was, that line is actually derived from John Carpenter visiting a mental institution and seeing a little 12, 13-year-old boy who had this look on him that literally made him feel so uncomfortable. And Carpenter just remembered that stare as pure evil. Oh,
0: I think I heard something about that, but yeah, that's um yeah, that's creepy though. That and it lends to it and and Yeah, and, and those are just and the way it jumps off the page you could tell that, that come that came from something, an experience, rather, a real life experience. And of course the way Pleasant performs the scene is just and going back to Halloween four, so Donald Pleasance was in Halloween one and two, of course, and he returns for Halloween four with some um a little little shoddy burn makeup effects, but his acting is still pretty decent. <laughs> and yeah,
1: I would have to agree with you the when you said strength and then mention Donald Pleasance. I, I think he keeps his strength through six films mm-hmm. or, first five technically
0: <laughs> yeah and of course um, you know and he lends a lot to the movies and of course when he unfortunately passed away the, um, he was missed and yep. but um no Halloween 4 in, um, in general I think it's a very serviceable movie um, I think it has one of the more coolest Coolest scenes in the franchise is um, when uh, the multiple Michael Myers scene. I don't know if you remember that.
1: Oh, yes, in the in the street with the yeah.
0: Yeah, and then you get the real one at the end. But but yeah, it was um, the movie was definitely a success. So much so, which ironically it would cause a dip in quality which um and what i mean by that is the movie was um brought in good numbers over the opening weekend so they they rushed into production the sequel Halloween 5 cuz um if you do the math Halloween 5 came out less than a year from Halloween 4
1: ooh i did not realize that
0: yeah and it came out um 1989 um it was less it was less than a 12 month period it was probably just 11 months but you know that's a real quick turnaround and and it shows and with that let's get into Halloween 5 The Revenge of Michael Myers and (laughs) and this is when we start to come into even though Halloween 4 is considered um, part of what fans call the Thorn Trilogy because it involves um the character of Jamie through the the 4th, 5th, and 6th movie Halloween 5 is really where the man in black character comes it's when the man in black character is introduced and has the thorn tattoo and all of a sudden Michael Myers has a thorn tattoo Uh, yeah (laughs) and so writers have since, the writers of Halloween 5 have since admitted they had no idea where this was going and you as um as an aspiring screenwriter as a person who went to school for writing uh, what do you think about writing themselves into a corner like that
1: uh that's almost career suicide really um because then you're just going to be known for taking on a project like that um and just a jumbling what any idea into it with no direction that's like going out into water with no life vests and just trying to wing it, literally. <laughs> um, yeah, that that idea that that film was oof a mess.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. And um, on top of and um, now we haven't mentioned his name at first. Um, producer, the producer and rights owner of the series is um the late Mustafa Akkad. And um, he actually publicly expressed a regret for killing off um, the Rachel character from the previous movie she was um, her along with the Jamie um, you could call her the final girl because she's the adult you know um, you're not going to kill a child main character so Rachel was the final girl from the fourth movie and you know he said it was one of his biggest regrets as a was Going through with that decision to kill off um, Rachel in the fifth movie,
1: I have to agree.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and it's weird because um, then we're introduced to um, Tina, the who we presume or assume rather is going to be the new final girl, but then she's killed off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So and uh, another thing um, I don't know when the last time he saw this um, so there's these two characters in the movie the two cops and when these two cops are introduced literally when they're introduced in each subsequent scene they're in they're played as bumbling goofy cops and there's literally clown music being played like the just goofy music I wish I could cut in some music and what it is but it's really you know and oh let's play this. oh these two bumbling goofy comic relief over the top cops oh by the way you know, somebody just got killed <laughs> you know it, I really don't get that
1: no I don't I, so 5 even back then I don't recall ever liking that film and I think I saw it like maybe once or twice and fully all the way through um even as a 10 year old a 12 year old, that film bugged the living daylights out of me.
0: <laughs> and um, the fans, fans of the series, um, I guess, according to these numbers, aren't, you know, they aren't fooled. Halloween 5 um, is the lowest gross in Halloween in the entire series. Wow. Um, total gross of $11 million. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. So, and um, here's um, I just pulled up some dates. Yes, yeah, so um, a little under twelve months. Halloween four was released in October eighty eight, October twenty first eighty eight. Halloween five was released October thirteenth eighty nine.
1: Which I guess you can, I guess you can understand they did kind of do back to back filmings nowadays. But um, because of the main character Jamie, she was such a mm-hmm. little girl. How kids can grow up and mature so fast um, that in order for them to keep it kind of going, kind of the almost the same idea of this Halloween one and two, where it's in the same night, where this timeline was very close after one another. Yeah, um, that they didn't want her to grow up, and right. it changed everything. I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. You could um come in from it from that point of view. That's not um. You know, that's, that's a smart thing, but of course we know him. that's not it the primary reason.
1: reason. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um and you can even tell, um, like the writers um like the writers admitted, um the sequel wasn't planned. Um and it shows it's a lot of just and on top of just a rushed production that shows the MPAA chopped the movie up to pieces. And um there's a lot of scenes. Um, there's actually a group of people who are on a mission to find the deleted scenes from Halloween 5 that because a lot of Halloween 5's deleted scenes, virtually all of them actually have never been seen to this day. And sure. um, yeah, most of them have been deleted for um, you know, violence, like I said, the MPAA because I'm um, one of the police officers, for example, um, is killed in his car. Michael crashes through the car windshield and bashes his head on his steering wheel. And it's supposed to be... There was supposed to be a real graphic shot of um, like shards of glass in his face and embedded into his face. And the actor talks about a lot um, being in makeup for two hours for that shot that never made it into the movie. Wow. And there's a shot that's... um that was never in the movie when Jamie is in the um, the laundry shoot, she actually gets stabbed in the leg and it's a graphic close-up shot that's cut from the movie. And the actress, Danielle Harris, actually has the prosthetic leg that they use for the shot. And she has it to this day. But, um, yeah, Halloween 5 was just um, not a very good movie. Not a very good movie. And once again, we um, there was a, a actor change in Michael myers Don shanks this time played Michael Myers <laughs> and um a very it's supposed to be the same mask from the previous movie but it's a obviously very different mask very yeah and um Don shanks was um a very um I think he was a little bit no he was actually Shorter than um, George P. Wilbur, Wilbur um, Shanks was six one. I think George P. Wilbur was six two. But they had a different build. Um, Don Shanks was very, he had a very lean, muscular build. And as you can see, George P. Wilbur was very blocky. As you can see, his real his robotic movements, you know, played played from that. But um, Halloween Five is um, a sore spot in a very popular franchise. And we speak of The Thorn. And the next movie (laughs) is Halloween... Now, there's a bit of a gap. Um, Halloween 4 and 5 were one year after the other. Then, from 89, the next Halloween movie would be 1995. And that's Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Yes. And this one has a story all its own behind it there's two different cuts of the movie which two different two different very different editing styles two totally different endings and but you know what this is the movie that introduced us to Paul Rudd Ant-Man himself so yeah. <laughs> so all wasn't bad but um this movie definitely was something not special and um, what's your take on Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers? So
1: back in growing up when I first saw it, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit back in the day. Um used to be one of my favorites other than the original. Um because it took for me, and this is just thinking back then why I liked it. Nowadays, no, I can, <laughs> can't it. Um is they took the idea of the thorn, and there's something we missed in the fourth and fifth, uh, or really the fifth, um, was the thorns uh, or the kids' connection, how um, Jamie had a connection with Michael Myers and five, like a mm-hmm. telekinesis or whatever connection. Um, they kind of touch on that not as strongly in the sixth one with the, the child, um, the little boy. kind of hearing or being aware of Michael Myers. Um, I kind of enjoyed that because it was almost like uh, fixing their mistakes in the fifth one. Um, It was gorier. Made me double check uh, washers and dryers pretty uh, quickly growing up. And then uh, Pure Strength, one of the brutal... One of the most brutal kills, I I feel, is towards the end where uh, Michael pushes the guy's face through the actual bars. Oh, yeah. Ripping it. And the pure strength of it, a locked gate. He just uses another human being body to push right through it. Um, Though, also, when you first saw this movie, I want to ask you this. Did you know, did you put two and two together that the girl at the beginning who gives birth to the little
0: baby was Jamie? from four and five and i'm glad you asked that and the answer is no <laughs> i didn't is i just you know when i when i saw this in theaters and 95 i was um 14 but um and i was a fan of the the franchise and no i didn't know who this young lady was supposed to be and that's a fair question i can't even lie I didn't know for probably 10 years afterwards Mm. and a story to go with that now great segue Danielle Harris who played Jamie in 4 and 5 she tells a great story about wanting to reprise her role but the studio balked at her asking price which was hold on hold on $5,000 (laughs) <laughs>
1: Getting the budget there.
0: Yeah, and also um, there's a clip on YouTube you can look up where she speaks about this. Um, just the handling, you know, her. She was two movies deep into the franchise. It was um, if it goes how she said it went, it's very bogus how they treated her. Also, it was, you know, no respect and that was almost downright disrespectful. But just for the purpose of continuity and also the big gap in between the movies you could have, you know $5,000 <laughs> I don't know That's like, what was the budget for that? Um, the budget for Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers um, it is unlisted <laughs> but if I had to guess it's probably $10 but <laughs> no, but um and speaking of actors, this is the first movies where uh, the same actor I mentioned earlier reprises a role as Michael Myers. So this brings back George P. Wilbur as uh, Michael Myers from part four.
1: Which I actually he's not my favorite, but that one um, made me feel. Don't know. It made me more scared of Michael. Than his repri- his first time in four.
0: Yeah, and um, yeah, I agree. He um, is not as robotic. He's the mask is better. I'm sure that helps the design of the mask. <laughs> and you know he's put on a little weight. You know it happens. And um, but I think it lends itself to the better performance than his part four role as uh, Michael Myers. But um. All in all, um, what do you think about yeah just the curse of Michael Myers with the the whole this is the last movie with the thorn stuff and and this speaks to um I gotta give the writer of this movie credit because with what the previous writer did, he basically the previous writer wrote the movie into a corner. and like you said, so you the next writer has this fantastic opportunity I mean it's, it's a hard thing to do to, to write a movie out of that corner so it was basically nowhere else to go you introduced this element mm. and now but what do you think about that um, with this, just the movie in general and where they go with the man in black and the thorn and
1: I, I think they I think they did a, a, a fair job on trying to correct all that um, without getting too in-depth with it, kind of making it a full close with Donald Pleasance finding out Man in Black, who the Man in Black was, um, and how they had Michael, they wanted to control him, or said they were controlling him, and then it ended up Michael was just playing him and, you know, spoiler, uh, if that's he ends up killing <laughs> a lot of the that yeah. clan, a cult.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, to kind of prove, you know, no, he's an unstoppable, uncontrollable force. I enjoyed it. It, it's, it's. I think it was very hard to come back from that. Um, but I feel they did a good closure to everything. Um, even with Donald Pleasance, uh, that being yeah. his last. Um, his kind of like Ahab obsession with Michael that if he was going to go out he just had to go out with just them two yeah
0: yeah that sounds interesting um but yeah we mentioned what's called what the fans refer to as the Thorn Trilogy that being Halloween 4, 5, and 6 and basically I'm pretty sure the um the producers wanted to just get rid of that as soon as they can as soon as they could and so um, this is where it gets interesting this is where the multiple timelines of the Halloween franchise come into play with the next movie which is Halloween <laughs> Halloween H2O which is Halloween 20 years later and this comes out in 1998 Eight, which brings back Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Schrode but it ignores the fourth, fifth, and sixth movie. It continues from Halloween two, even though it gives it gives nods to the fourth, fifth, and well, the fourth movie in particular. But um, timeline wise, it ignores them. It you know, so it keeps the the storyline of Michael being Laurie's brother and all that but um Halloween H2O Wow I don't think I liked it as much as everybody else I did like it and I think it brings it brought a lot of integrity back to the franchise and um but <laughs> um yeah it was um I think it was just all right it was pretty good pretty good movie and uh, what's your take on Halloween H two O?
1: So I'm glad you got to this one. Um, <laughs> it is actually my guilty pleasure uh, film of the franchise. Um, I I feel they did a lot of respect to the first film um, with uh, who was it? It was Michelle Williams um, looking seeing Michael Myers out of the classroom just as. Jamie Lee Curtis did in the first film. Oh yeah, um, a, a lot of building up, being in the background, um, seeing the the beat up truck uh, down the street in the in the background, and you knowing that's Michael driving the car, or um, the the cat and mouse game, rather than the straight full up uh, just murder scene, um, the playing of the tricks with uh, him doing the pot with LL Cool J while he's on the phone. And you're, and you're wondering, oh my God, is this character going to get killed? Is this character going to get killed? Right. And it builds that suspense for me. I feel they did a good job. And of course, bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis to the franchise for its 20th, it I believe was a, a wonderful idea. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the best made film? no and with continuity with four different masks in that whole film
0: yeah it was uh, four different masks that they went through and one horrible CGI shot mask
1: yeah CGI back in 1998 makes me cringe (laughs) um yeah and I mean now there was uh respects that kind of closed the loop with uh, the nurse from Halloween 1 and 2 um She's the nurse at the beginning who took care of Donald Pleasance's character and kind of had notes and a young Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> right. Uh, and then... Yeah, I just, I don't know. It was, I, I think it's the darkness of the film, like literally the, the lighting, um, the filtering, just how they edited it. I feel it was pretty good. Again, it's a guilty pleasure on my list um and i'm not saying it's a wonderful made film whatsoever but i enjoy it quite a bit and it's yeah. probably because of it's kind of going back to its roots of horror
0: yeah it's um yeah it does um a pretty decent job trying to replicate the um the slow burn and building building of suspense and building up tension and um, it does a decent job with that and yeah but it was just um, something you know, like you call it a guilty pleasure because it's something whoop, that's missing I mean actually a lot of these movies after the original Halloween it shows how great of a filmmaker how underrated of a filmmaker John Carpenter is and how hard <laughs> what he did with that movie was yeah and um oh yeah and and also, um you mentioned you mentioned the look of this movie Halloween h two o. um it has some decent um like I said decent cinematography overall, like I said with the lighting and um this camera movements and angles. and if any of you all have the time, I keep rolling back. Halloween one and two was shot by Dean Cundey now, if you don't know who Dean Cundy is, just Google him, and you're like, "Whoa! Look at the movies that he shot and who he shot them for," and that's why those movies still look pretty awesome to this day. But um, Halloween H2O, um, you never can go wrong with Jamie Lee Curtis, and yeah, it was it was all right. It was a genius idea, like you said, to have um anniversary movie like that, ignoring 4, 5, and 6 says, I think it's more so 5 and 6 about the Thorn crap, you know, they just wanted to forget about it.
1: Kind of a, what what we call nowadays a reboot.
0: Yeah, yeah, it would be, um, yes, yeah, soft reboot, and um, or it's a, it's a reboot, a sequel reboot, because it's still continuing from the first two movies, and this isn't the first time that's the franchise does is we're one movie away from that and with that um so your overall take on h2o is just guilty pleasure um not bad but definitely not great
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: <laughs> yeah and um and like you said um l l had a nice couple of years he um this movie he survived and the next year spoiler Deep Blue Sea um, he also survives <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah trying to take yeah. away that cliche
0: <laughs> and um, so with Halloween H2O the new with the new um, Laurie Schroed timeline um, there's also um, a decent gap between this movie and the next one so 98, 99 is a four year gap right um, 2002
1: your favorite one?
0: Oh, no. So here we come to um, Halloween Resurrection. And... um, Now, without the Rob Rob Zombie remakes, um, this is definitely, without a doubt, the worst movie in the franchise, Halloween Resurrection. Now, the messed up thing about this is it actually brings back a director... Who previously directed a Halloween movie, um, Rick Rosenthal from Halloween two, who did a pretty good job with that. And he comes back, obviously only for the paycheck. And and this movie basically it buries um it buries the franchise for for five years and which would be rebooted by um Rob Zombie.
1: Except
0: yeah, there you go. <laughs> but um no, this Halloween resurrection is um is it's horrible. Um there's nothing else <laughs> you can say about it. You know, Buster Rhymes, you got him overacting, doing um karate on Michael Myers, is all integrity, all respect for that character flush down the toilet and they try to do something clever with the technology of the time. I mean, um, for 2002, you know, with the webcam stuff, that really wasn't a thing. I give them credit for that. You know, it wasn't nowhere near as popular as it is now, really. You know what I mean? Yes. So I give them
1: kind the- of like the real world cameras throughout the house, watching these people um, go through this experience. With or without the internet, too, that wasn't that really common at all. Yeah,
0: definitely definitely wasn't common. But, um... And also, with Halloween Halloween Resurrection, um... Spoiler. It was not a spoiler. This movie, nothing about this movie can be spoiled because it's horrible. So, (laughs) Jamie Lee Curtis is killed off in the first ten minutes of the movie. The Laurie Schroed character is killed off. And it was Jamie Lee Curtis said it was a nice paycheck. Can't fault her for that, and she didn't have to be in the rest of this crappy movie that they killed off earlier in it. And and uh, it, and you know what I hate about trailers? Watch the trailer for this movie. The trailer edits it. The way they edit the trailer is makes it like Jamie Lee Curtis is making a like a heroic um entrance into the movie to save the teenagers. It's hard to explain, but watch it, you'll see what I mean. And but it's it's a real swerve that's bogus if you think about it. But you know, um, worst movie in the series for me. But um, enough about what I think. Uh, what's your take on Halloween Resurrection?
1: I would have to agree with thousand percent what you've said so far. Um, the cliche, late 90s to mid-2000s of horror films where they had to have comedy. They um, And I kind of blame Scream for that. <laughs> uh, rest in peace, Russell craven. But he did it. He delivered it very, very, very well. Yeah, he did a good uh, job with it. Yeah. This, uh... It had to be funny in the traditional reaction, like him when he's dressed up as Michael and he yeah. comes across hey. Michael thinking it's the other guy and he's like, yeah. yo! <laughs> Um
0: as stupid as that was that was funny but it didn't belong in a Michael Myers movie but it was it was stupid right. <laughs> but go ahead I'm sorry yeah, no
1: like 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 Michael would just up and not kill him with nobody else around <laughs> like, okay um and then Tyra Banks in it as well <laughs> trying to do over the top stuff I didn't like it for many a reasons because Um, from a a story and writing aspect it was the most ah, short sentenced responses and them trying to I still don't have clarity on it and you might be able to answer this is it's in the old Michael Myers house and then they add like chains to the high chair and this little dungeon Um, the chains to the high chair, I could see the, like, Buster Rhymes' character adding that to make it, you know, more of a clue and discover why he went crazy, which, again, defeats the purpose of the first one. Um, but that, that hole, that basement box, um, I, I, don't know if that's, if that was supposed to make it really seem that the parents of Michael was abusive. And that's why he went crazy, or if that was something the producers, aka Plus Rhymes and Tyra Banks, added, yeah, uh, to make it more of a show. Uh, I, I would have to watch it again, and that would be a forceful watch. But um,
0: <laughs> and even if you watch that, you could probably watch it five more times and still wouldn't get a, a a solid answer. It's just you know little oversights like that, and it's just a really it's just a horrible is. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. Whole bunch mess. Yeah. No. And
0: even the way um, that they brought him back, you know, because in Halloween H two O, he supposedly got his head chopped off, but then you know the whole with the ambulance driver and the switching and uh, okay, so yeah, it's
1: probably the best thing about that movie.
0: Yeah. Oh, you said it's probably what now? Probably the best thing about that movie was.
1: How to explain how he was still alive from H two O and I'm like okay,
0: yeah it's it was it was interesting. Yeah, if it, it was the most creative thing, definitely down from that movie, I give you that. But um, Halloween Resurrection agreed the worst movie um, outside of the Rob Zombie movies in the Halloween <laughs> franchise.
1: Like how you said that,
0: <laughs> and um. Yeah, so you definitely agree with that.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> so, so with that, um, we've mentioned the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. Um, he made two of them. Um, like Halloween three. That's a those movies will be covered in a separate episode, maybe with me and Ryan, but um, definitely covered, covered later. So, with that, with that said. next movie will bring us to the most recent movie came out last year now going with the timeline so (laughs) this is where it starts to get more confusion confusing so now Jamie Lee Curtis returns to the franchise but this time Halloween 2018 is a direct sequel to Halloween 1978 even ignoring the events in Halloween 2 from 1981 so with that Lori was never Michael Myers' Michael Myers's sister. They were never siblings. And it's a direct continuation from the first John Carpenter movie. So now it's three different timelines in a Halloween franchise. And with Halloween 2008, um, I think it's um, a return... A return to glory for the character or characters Laurie Schrode and Michael Myers um it's very very unlikely um very very unlikely team of writers Danny McBride and David Gordon Green wrote the movie David Gordon Green also directing but uh here we have um one of the better one of the best movies in the entire franchise and and yeah. basically we have a couple of fans in McBride and Green who understood what the character of Myers is and that whole conversation that we mentioned with um, uh, Dr. Loomis Donald Pletson of him just being purely evil and obviously all of the other filmmakers and writers, subsequent um, writers and directors they, I guess, they didn't care or didn't understand what that scene meant. We didn't need a reason. We didn't need a thorn curse. We didn't need a cult. You know, we didn't need him to be a sibling. You know, we had we had it explained to us right there. He was evil. That's all you need. But anyway, with me blabbing, what do you think? Oh, keep
1: going. No. Um, yes, definitely. Uh, this film like you said, is fans who truly understood um, what John Carpenter did in the first one and go back to a comment you said earlier was um, to show how underestimated John Carpenter is as he made one film and nobody could replicate it or make anything the same weight um, thereafter. And then I would have to say until this film Um, because it just it truly does that they took away the brother thing no that was just a rumor they gave a lot of respect to and nods to the whole franchise in a a whole Um, but then put it with the right ingredients with the right recipe and it was he just did it there was no reason he just up and did it And this wasn't the first time they still kept that he killed his sister when he was young and then escaped and started killing. And then he does it again. Um, But I feel they truly, and this gets to um, one of my favorite shots in the past, I would have to say 20 years of filmmaking, period, is the a continuous shot and nowadays they have digital so they can do a lot longer than the four minute one shot at the beginning of Halloween mm. is Michael Myers is going around through the town and he ends up going inside that house um, and if you haven't seen the movie you, once you see it you know exactly but the pure him standing in the middle seeing the kids in the costumes um, the way Michael moves in that one um, and, gen- and the whole and there's that scene I'm talking in particular was Nick Castle re returning just to do that scene. Yeah. Um, but I feel the two actors uh, or the new actor portraying Michael did a fantastic job. Cause really um, when you watch it you can tell a difference,
0: um, James, you Courtney, um. which if he's smart, he will
1: keep it and be the, the, face of Michael Myers
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> I think this movie was great I, I at first I was a little worried because they took the idea of the paranoid Laurie Strode from H2O um, overprotective it ruined her family um, she's living in a protective house she got weapons everywhere at first I was a little worried about that um, only because H2O and Resurrection kind of dug that and was like okay that idea didn't really work but here again rests in the uh statement of delivering um what mcbride and green did was they took that same idea initially technically and they just it's how you do it i know eric you and i have discussed films with the same premises yeah and but how one does a better job, and it's how you do it. And Jamie Lee Curtis did a really good job with this, with the PTSD and uh, kind of owning what that kind of night would do to somebody or could do to somebody. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a little, little more gorier than I was expecting, <laughs> um, but not in a way that was, that took you out of the moment, I guess. Not the whole, oh, Saw and Final Destination gore. Um, And that did one of the most, I think, crazy moves in horror, but smart uh, to add to the fear is, um, and are we doing spoilers? Just spoil alert, Um, he kills a kid.
0: Yeah, that's true,
1: yeah. And that takes the fear that that adds back to that he could come after anybody. So adding adding that level of fear to little kids if why they're watching it but you know it's parenting. Um, (laughs) Teenagers and adults that mm, everybody is fair game to Michael. And that brings that fear back. Uh, Unexplainable fear. Like dang. Like why would he do that? Well, that's the right. reason. There is no reason.
0: <laughs> yep. But, um, no, definitely, um, that's was all, that's a great analysis of the movie. And I'm glad they, another thing is I'm glad that the filmmakers reached out to John Carpenter. They basically, um, went to him and said, this is going to happen with or without you. We'd like you to be a part of it. And they brought him on as producer and as, um, as composer, he, and, um, Carpenter and his son and um a third um member they they've been touring with John Carpenter's music and in the middle of their touring they put this great score together so and and that's one of the aspects of the movie that gives it a certain feel to it and it's um and yeah that's that's basically it. But um there is there've been two movies two sequels announced to this movie that are one is already filming and believe they're going to film him back to back. And, um, you know, basically, um, it's, it's good to see, um, you know, an an original classic, classic slasher in his, in a good place because, um, you got franchises like, um, the Friday, the 13th franchise is caught up in rights, the litigation or whatever. Um, uh, Freddy Krueger is um, who knows what's going on with that franchise the original Child's Play or Chucky that's still ongoing they're actually making a TV series for that um, for streaming but um, yeah out of all of the original classic slashers Michael Myers seems to be the one that's definitely on top as of current you know
1: so can I piggyback off that real quick oh sure So it's funny that you say that because what we talked about how the first Halloween, what it did for slashers um, and for cinema period back in 1978, um, sparked Jason, you know, Friday 13th was the original was
0: 1980. Um, Yeah, the first one. Yeah. And then so Jason was like
1: 81 or 82. um, you, You started coming up with these iconic slasher serial killers. And then things have dwindled. Even Halloween was victim to just franchise overload by studios and just killing it, trying to reboot it and killing it and rebooting it. And then, so now we have this one, 2018 and going to continue with two more at the minimum so far. Mm -hmm. um, That now Chucky, Child's Play, is kind of making a comeback. There was a, I don't know if you've seen the trailer, or if most people even know what this is, but Leprechaun um, <laughs> is making a quote-unquote comeback. There's another movie, like an origin or something like that. Uh, and I believe Tremor, not Tremors, um, Critters. There's a new Critters movie coming out. yeah. So it seems that because of the success of Halloween, just like the first one, um, that it's creating that momentum momentum for these kind of horror films.
0: Yeah, to make um back or try. Yeah, that's interesting. It's like um just like everything goes in circles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But oh yeah, so next year, I guess um, yeah, because Halloween, the new movie um, the sequel to Halloween 2008 is Halloween Kills or is it, um I forget what the name of it is. Halloween
1: Kills is the next one.
0: Yeah, that'll be the third one. So the second one, the one, I forget the title of that. Halloween Ends Oh, there we go. Halloween Ends uh, kind of <clears throat> But, um Yeah, but, um that's basically it um for the halloween franchise with um with ryan ryan herrera and you know minus um the rob zombie movies but like we told you we'll we'll get to that (laughs) but um yeah so um as a whole of the halloween franchise um let's say top three slasher franchises, um, put you on the spot here, top three uh, where do you put Michael Myers the Halloween franchise top three slasher
1: oh I would put it as number one ooh. for many reasons
0: so who would be a two and three
1: two would be Scream oh and then Oh, I haven't really thought much <laughs> outside of those two um. i do uh, mm, not <laughs> gonna say Saw. Yeah, because I mean, as if, I would have, mm, I would have to
0: say Saw would uh, be. Right. Um, so um. So uh, oh, what was his name in Saw? It was um. Uh, Jigsaw. Yeah. <laughs> the, or that was his nickname, but um, G- John Kramer, whatever his real name. But um, right off the top of my head, um, top three slasher franchises would be I put, um, Halloween, Michael Myers one, two I will put um, a Nightmare on Elm Street series, you know, Freddy Krueger two, and three, yeah, three, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like like oh, you had is- a little pause, but um, three um, I'll probably change this up, but I have to put um, Jason, Friday the Thirteenth series, really. So, so three of the most popular I'm probably going to change that as it's right off I call myself putting you on the spot I put myself on the spot too but (laughs) (laughs) yeah but um, no, definitely um, glad to have had you here for this um, little Halloween franchise Um, one of the more popular slasher franchises and for good reason you know what little sore spots in the middle yeah. but I, that's what there's no there's no perfect um, slasher franchise out there um, probably is but um, yeah but that's that but anyway definitely glad you came on to the podcast this definitely, definitely. will not <laughs> and it will not be the last time we will hear from you You, we're gonna have Ryan back a whole lot but for this episode that'll be that and thank everybody for listening and tell everybody about the podcast and thank you and until next time
1: alright bu-